0: Well, we have been in a series we called Good Ground. I believe this is part five. Let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. Mark 4, verse 1. It says, And again, this is Jesus, He began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to Him, so that He got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up. It sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is speaking this parable. He's talking about a sower that went out sowing seed, and he, he gives illustration of that seed landing on different types of soil, and then there were different results of that seed springing up. And now he's going to give, these verses we're about to read, he's going to say, what did that mean? What, what, what was he illustrating? In verse 13, it says and he said to them do do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all parables the sower sows the word and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble now these are the ones sown among thorns they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So the the final, he gives these different illustrations, different people receiving the word or hearing the word, and then reacting to it in different ways, or holding on to it in different ways, and, and what results they have. And so, of course, the model that we where we want to go, the the, the, the model person receiving is in the 20th verse where it says, These are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. We were talking about the different types and, and how people, uh, you know, the different aspects of some of these other ways. So let's look tonight, we're going to look back at Mark 4, 7, and look at um, just a certain area. Mark 4, 7 is where Jesus is given the illustration. He said, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. So given the illustration of the sower putting seed down, and it fell among thorns, or some places it says weeds, and it yielded no crop. In verse 18, then, he describes what's going on. He said, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So, the word comes in, but then verse 19 says, the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the, world, the, the word and it becomes unfruitful. I want to focus on the first part of that tonight. You know, we we'll probably will cover the rest of these things. And, but I want to talk about some aspects of that first part. It says, the cares of this world, they choke the word of course these other things the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things but i want to focus on the first part the cares of this world and the amplified verse 19 says but the worries and cares of the world the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness and false security of glamour of wealth and fame and the passionate desire for other things creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful So the worries and cares and distractions, it says, they choke out the word. In the Amplified Classic, it says, then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of this age. The cares and anxieties of this world. Anybody notice that there are cares and anxieties, troubles that try to come on you in this world. Jesus is talking about those. You know, some people think God just, you know, he's off floating somewhere and just doesn't understand real life. No, he absolutely understands quote-unquote real life far more than we have a clue about. I mean, we just understand this much, he understands infinitely he understands everything that's going on in this world and this world is fallen this world is uh, under the control of Satan now the Christian isn't but the world in general is and most people on the, in the world follow along with the world and, and follow along with the world system so there are in this world pressures and anxieties and cares that try to come on put up verse uh, 19 if you can again the beginning i just want to we'll see read the the beginning and then we'll skip to the end of it so we can just see cut out those uh, other parts we're not covering tonight it says then the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of this age and he mentioned some other things if you skip to the end it says these creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless in Amply. You go back to the Amplified classic, what we were just on. In the Amplified classic, the one you were just on. The end of it there, there you go. It says, the uh, the desire for other things, they creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes unfruitless or it becomes uh, fruitless it said the cares and anxieties and distractions of the age they choke and suffocate the word can the word be suffocated the word of the living god can it be choked well is jesus right of course he's right uh, in the CEB verse verse 19 in the CEB it says the worries of this life the worries of this life the false appeal of wealth the desire for more things break in and choke the word and it bears no fruit so we can see the worries of this life the cares of this life the anxieties of this life are one of the things that tries to suffocate the the word in our lives. Let's look at the message. I like the way this brings it out in the message version. Verse 19 says, The seed cast in the weeds, or they was calling it the thorns, represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. We're going to read that one again. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news, but are overwhelmed with worries. You see the picture? Overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do. And don't raise your hand, but have you ever felt like that? I think we've all, we've all felt like that. We didn't have to yield to it, but you at least felt it coming on. All the things you have to do, all the stuff that's going on, pressing. It says they were overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do, all the things they want to get. You can say all the things you want to get, too. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes to it. Stress from things that won't matter, stress in the things of this world, and the cares, and the pressures, and the anxiety, just the stuff of life tries to come in, and press on you so that you let go of the word and what jesus said is that will choke the word the word of the living god can be choked in our lives by just being overwhelmed and worried and to uh, have, having care about life just life And there's a real pressure there. The cares of this life. The cares of the world. Let's look at Luke 21, 34. Luke 21, 34 says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life and that day come on you unexpectedly. Talking about the, the coming of the Lord Jesus, but what I want to focus on is saying, take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life. Can your heart be weighed down just because you're caring and taking worry about this life? Yes. In the Amplified Classic it says, but take heed to yourselves and be on guard lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed or weighed down with the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence drunkenness this part i want to emphasize and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the busyness of this life don't let your hearts be overburdened and depressed and weighed down By the worldly worries and cares pertaining to the busyness of this life. Notice it says, of this life. This life in this world brings with it temptation to get overburdened, to get depressed, to get worried about all the busyness that's going on. Now, if you've lived any time at all, you can relate. There's stuff to do, stuff to take care of, of things happen in life, and the the Word is telling us, and Jesus is saying here, if, if we're not careful, it can start to overburden us, get us depressed, get us weighed down. The stuff going on in, notice it said, this life. This life is not all there is this life is going to be over in not too long and when i say not too long if you lived another hundred years that's not very long as you as you and i live longer and longer we we should come to the understanding that this is this life is very short stuff comes stuff goes but there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things going on. And it's tempting to let the things that just press in, and the, the pressures and the, the, the worries that try to press in, and the stuff you have to do, start to push on you so you, we lose sight of what is really going on and what is truly important and that's how you can become overburdened that's how you become can become weighed down depressed because we're looking at all the stuff and what i got to do today and what i got to do tomorrow and next week and i got this assignment or i got this job and i got you know this person pulling on me or whatever and you start looking at that and it, it can become like how 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 am I going to get it all done? How am I going to get to all these things? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. And we're talking about, you know, Jesus said, the word comes, but it can get choked out. And this is one of the things, the worries and cares of this world can choke it. Verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that aren't seen are eternal. When I was looking at this, the word transient you know, came to me just in relation to this. Look at... And, and, um, The RSV version, several versions, use that word in this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, "...because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." What does transient mean? It means passing especially quickly into and out of existence. That's transient. Passing, and then another definition is passing through or by a place with only a brief stay. <laughs> that's, that describes our stay on the earth. It's transient. But how much more, if our stay on the earth is transient, how much more are daily tasks? our daily, the stuff that's pressing The last part of that verse says the things that are seen are transient. That means they pass in and out quickly. But there's a lot of noise and there is a lot of stuff coming in and out, around, pressures. And with all the noise and with all the motion all the pressure. It's tempting to take your eyes off of what is important and let the things that are the daily things, the weekly things, the stuff that just comes up, start to choke what is going to matter for the long term. And sometimes with all that stuff, and Jesus said this this is this is something we have to be aware of. We have to know that we're in this life, and the busyness of this world will try to choke God's word, which is his work in your life. It will try to happen. And it'll try to get your eyes off what is truly important, that this life is temporary, that this life is transient. And but the things of God and the spiritual things are eternal, it'll try to get, the pressure will try to get you to work. You're just living by the transient. You're getting pushed by things that are here today and gone tomorrow. You know as well as I do, I mean, there's things, if I were to ask you, you know, what, what was really pressing on you in your daily life five weeks ago there may have been now there may be a big thing that's been there for a while and you could answer me but if I, if there were things that were coming and going in your life in your even your job or your school or your relationships you would probably have a hard time answering the question when you get down to a certain level you don't remember i don't remember but at the time it feels like gotta get this gotta get this done done you know if you have checklist you're just checking 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 and then what do you do with the list? Honestly, I, keep, I have them all in computerized, so I have them all. I can look back and know what I did any given week. I don't really ever look, but sometimes it comes in handy. I have it in Excel spreadsheets and my kids know, and my, that my wife knows, and a lot of engineers know. Excel is your friend. It's very versatile. I'm not an accountant, I don't, you know, but hey, you can do a lot of stuff in Excel. And I, I, you know, when I have to solve a problem, sometimes I'll just hey, we're gonna make a spreadsheet. That's how we're gonna do this. We're gonna keep track. So my to-do list is. It's got a lot of stuff and a lot of sections and it's color coded and all that. And then I put up what I got done, all the different areas in the, the week. And so I can go back, and then when I take, I take that and I just copy it, you know, to a different place. I just save it as a new one, and then I just keep chugging. So I can go back and look, you know, what was I doing February, the week of February 2nd? What did I get done? <laughs> anyway, but most, I don't look at it most of the time, unless, unless it was like, what, you know, what was going on, or what did I have to do? Most of the time, I never look at it again. Well, I can't remember. Sometimes I look at it and go, what? I mean. What, what did we get done? She'll go, go look at your list. You need, to, you need to be you know looking at what the to-do list or what you got done because sometimes you feel like you got nothing done and you see all these little items there. But the point is, you know, barring having it on a computer, we don't usually remember. We're like, man, all that stuff that was, oh, it was pressing. You don't even remember what it was. And if we're moved by that stuff and it let alone if we start getting weighed down and depressed by that stuff, the stuff that you won't remember. Now, there's big heavy-duty stuff that happens. You know, and there's everything in between. But the point is we cannot let the stuff that's transient start dictating what we do because the the worst end, in the worst case, it actually chokes the word in our life and we don't bear any fruit. In the worst case, it becomes so overwhelming and so much in our face that we take our eyes off, you know, take your eyes off Jesus because if if the word's being choked, you're not looking at the word anymore. You're not looking at God. You're looking at the stuff, and the stuff gets to you so much that the word doesn't bear anything in your life anymore, and in the very worst case, people are totally consumed by what is and God's on the side. And with all the noise and all the pressure and all the anxiety, sometimes it helps right in the middle of when you feel like it's a pressure cooker, as much, you know, everything's going on, is to say, what in my present circumstances am I going to remember 10, 20, 30 years from now, or at the end of my life? What matters that's going on right now? In other words, when you just let everything fade, which things are actually going to have an impact and affect what I'll be thinking about when I'm about to leave this earth? And that can bring real clarity. You got all this stuff going on and all of a sudden it just fades and said, actually, this is actually important. If I don't keep this going, I'm not going to like it in 10 years. If I don't do this, I'm going to look back and say, ooh, I wish I would have. And if you just make it, sometimes it makes, you you know, decisions seem real hard until you look and go, what am I going to wish I would have done if I were to look back at my life and what I'm dealing with right now, which path would I take or what I wish I would have taken at the end of my life? And then sometimes it's just like, know what to do. Because all the transient pressure and busyness, when you put it in the light of decades or a lifetime, you say, actually most of this doesn't matter. I would not want to take this path based on this pressure because this is truly important. The word is important. God's ways are important. This world, this world is passing away. First John 2:16. It says, "For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away. The world ain't going to be here forever, like it is. It's going to be burned up. This this thing is not going to go on forever. People are, you know, like, well, we got to save everything. You're not going to be able to save the planet. It does not mean we should try to destroy it as fast as we can." but you're not going to be able to save it. It's not going to happen. It will be burned up. The Bible says it is. It's not going to go forever. It's corrupted by sin. Verse 17 says, The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. See, what we see is not going to abide forever, but doing the will of God, that will abide forever. Well, that means that's important. See, that, the will of God is keeping his, our eyes on His Word, what He said, His presence, and we keep our eyes on that regardless of what all this stuff's going on in here, the noise. We're focused on that because the, we know the world, it's passing away. The world is not going to be around forever. In the NLT, it says the world is fading away. The world is fading away. I like that because you can just see it. All that, all this noise, all the glory of the world's splendor—you know what people hold up as uh, important—if you look closely, it's fading, it's dimming. You know what's not dimming at all are the things of God, the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we do for Him. It is. Completely solid, strong, and getting brighter. But the world and its things are fading away. Let's look at Luke 10, verse 38. You see account, uh, an account of this in real time. Luke 10, 38. Verse 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus is over at at Martha's house. And her sister Mary is listening to jesus teach martha on the other hand is taking care of all the food taking care of all the stuff to get things ready now that that stuff has to be done in general we have things we need to do we don't just float you know just like we're we're just a Floating spiritually, and we don't ever have to do anything in this earth. That's not the way life is. We have responsibilities, we have stuff that we need to do. But in this case, Martha is distracted with much serving. She approached, she was so distracted, she was saying, I, got, I have to do these things i have to get all this stuff done she is obviously overwhelmed she is frustrated she is stressed she's pressured she's feeling like i got to do all this stuff and what i'm going to do it all alone so much so that she goes to jesus and says to him interrupts what jesus is saying interrupts him and says lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone therefore tell her to help me so she is upset and she's assuming that mary is doing the wrong thing that mary should be helping her do this stuff when mary is sitting at the feet of almighty god teaching at this point which thing is going to be remembered 2,000 years later, they're both here. Which thing is most important, listening to Jesus when he's on the earth or cooking a meal? It becomes really, really clear. That's not to discount the importance of cooking a meal. But cooking a meal compared to listening to the Son of God when he's on the earth, there's no comparison. And if Jesus, so Jesus said, wait a minute, in verse 41, he said, Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One, see, one thing is needed right now. What is the important thing we're supposed to do right now? A lot of stuff we could do, a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stuff going on, but he says one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. He's saying the thing you need to be doing right now is what Mary's doing. Mary is choosing to look at the important thing. You're looking at the thing that's going to change by evening. And she's assuming that she's supposed to just do that stuff. Well, it's not affecting her well. She's not She's not joyful. She's, she's taking her eyes. I mean, the living word is right there in her room, and she's looking at the kitchen. And we can't throw any stones because in our life, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us now in this age. We have the holy written word, yet it is so tempting to let all the stuff that's going on, and there are pressures in life. There's pressures at work. There can be pressures um, with relationships, there can be pressures, you know, physically in this world. There's so much stuff. We're not, we're not making light of any of that. But there's stuff that puts pressure to take our eyes off the fact that Jesus is Lord, that His Word is true, that the Spirit of God actually indwells in us, and ultimately, to let go of the world, the word because we have to attend to stuff and to say well i'm busy i'm too busy right now when it calms down then i'll attend back to the things of god could be you know spending time with god keeping ourselves uh built up spiritually praying i'm too busy busy with what what are we making a choice between at that point? We, we're making a choice between the stuff that's transient and that's happening now versus things that are eternal, things that are associated with the, the plan and the purpose of God. And we lay down that and say, well, I'll get to, get, get to it later. And it's subtle because we're talking about responsibilities. We're, we could be talking about responsibilities that are in a place God has led us to be. Well, surely I got to do that. Of course, we have to take care of responsibilities, but not at the expense of letting the word go because we know what the end of that is. If we let the word go and let the cares and the responsibilities and worries of life choke out the word, we know we're going to be unfruitful. It's not going to end well. We already know that Jesus just told us this is not this is where this is going. So when we're in the middle of it, the temptation is got too much stuff. This is starting to press on me. This is pushing on me, and could make me. When we find ourselves getting agitated, it's a sure and, and stressed, and at uh, getting out of peace with other people, it's a sure sign we're off. Did I lose somebody there? No, it's their problem. No, if we get out of peace, if we're so overburdened, then we've let something go. We're not looking at Him. We're in danger of this stuff overburdening my heart, overwhelming me to where I'm making my decisions based on this stuff and this pressure versus what is God saying, what his word hasn't changed, his faithfulness hasn't changed, he is on the throne and I'm looking at him and I'm going to overcome this stuff, we start letting the stuff start overcoming us. And it's tempting to think, oh, if I just had more time, then I'd spend more time in the Word or praying. You know, it'd be so much easier if I I weren't busy. But the fact is, we decide what we're going to look at at any given time and what we let dictate our time in our lives. Just like Mary, Mary had a choice, or Martha had a choice, and Mary had a choice. And Jesus said, Mary chose the right thing. You're choosing the wrong thing. Martha and you know it's easy to throw stones at Martha you know just big fat easy target because she's in the word like oh you did it wrong no we got to look at ourselves it's there for an illustration she just got caught up in the wrong thing that's it have we ever I mean don't raise your hand have we ever got caught up in the wrong thing did we ever start looking at something I mean have you ever looked at something and it, it pushed you and stressed you and then it evaporated in a day it was a deadline or something and you were getting stressed about it or some problem and all of a sudden it's gone and you wasted a bunch of effort, a bunch of time, a bunch of stress on nothing? Don't raise your hand, but just think, has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened? Yeah, it's probably happened to all of us. What was important at that, what did we let ourselves start being moved from, and what are we getting pressed on during those times? I remember when we were going to Rhema, when I was going to Rhema, you know, Shelley graduated um, in 1995, and, um, you know, before I met her, and then, uh, you know, I looked at going to Rhema when I got out of college. I, I, I was, I had started a full-time job, and um, I looked, I went down to the college weekend, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm serving in my local church, and I, I didn't have a witness to go. I thought, you know, I had it in my heart already I could see myself going toward ministry, but I just got my engineering degree and I'm working the job and I'm serving the local church and I, I, I believed I was right where I needed to be. So I just kept on trucking. And, uh, you know, got married to Shelley in 1999 and I went to Rhema then, felt it was time, and we went, uh, moved the family down there in 2003. So I went in 2003 to 2006 and went You know, graduated from the two-year program, the second-year pastor's program, and then they had a third-year pastor's program, and I graduated from that too. But during that time, I'm going to school. I'm working. I'm married. I have two young children, you know, at that time. You know, when we moved to Rhema, uh, Brianna was almost two, because we moved in June. Um, Right at the end of June, we left. And so Brianna turned two in August, Andrew was born in August. So you can see when we left to come out here, Andrew was two, gonna turn three, and Brianna was four, gonna turn five. So we had two young children. We attended three church services a week. You know, Rayma would have uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was stu- had to study for school, so I went to school, but then I had to keep everything going. And we were serving in multiple areas in the church. And all that stuff was going on during that time. And there was a lot of stuff. And I remember walking with Shelly one day through our neighborhood. So we were grabbing a short walk. You know, we lived in the neighborhood and we tried to fit in a walk and um, just talking to her. And there was, you know, there were so many things going on. And just the impression of what we were supposed to be doing during that time. We had all this stuff going on, and a lot of it's just, yeah, I'm going to rainbow, but I also got to take care of all the natural stuff of life. And the impression was to, to keep, stay built up spiritually, stay up with all the different parts that are important, and just maintain the, the, the critical parts and do the rest to the best of your ability, but don't start getting lopsided to where you're like, no, got to take care of stuff. Too busy. Got to deal stuff and start letting the vital parts drop. It was just an impression. Just do life, but keep, keep strong in the areas because I had heard before I ever went to REMA, you know, and people think, well, I'll go to Bible school and it'll solve all my problems and I'll, I'll get so much of the Word and then I'll just go out and dominate everything. That, you know people get divorced when they go to Bible school. You know people ended up falling away from God when they go to Bible school. You know people do all kinds. Of, it, the, word, the Bible school doesn't change you. It doesn't change your life. Whatever you brought to Bible school, you have and you, the Word can change you. But the answer to changing, getting... Uh, things uh, uh, change in your life is is not bible school it's letting the word uh it's it's agreeing with the word and putting it into practice and i had heard before i ever went you can go to bible school and let your spiritual walk start to deteriorate but it's not so obvious because you're getting pumped full of the word for three hours a day but you're not doing personal devotions. You're not spending any time with really. God. People go to Rhema or go to Bible school and don't go to church. Believe it or not, they're going to three hours of Bible school, but they don't go to church or they go to one church. So you're getting deteriorated as you go. But it seems like, well, I'm hearing the word every day, so I'm okay. Well, the busyness, whether you're at Bible school, whether you're just at work, whatever, it can try to take away the foundation to where you are not guarding the word, not focusing on the right things, not taking care of what is truly important. You have to maintain your spiritual life and guard the word regardless of what station of life you're in, regardless of what profession you're in, regardless if you're a student, if you're retired, if you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you own your own business, where you work for somebody. The one common thing is we have to maintain a vital relationship with God and guard the Word in our life or we will begin to be taken up with all the natural stuff. So we were pressed when we were there. And it got, you know, by the end, we had gotten involved in certain things in the church. um, And over time, they grew. It's like you started out having this responsibility, but certain things, I'm not talking about just piled on, just certain things, you know, you kind of just kept, you know, where you're faithful and whatever. And by the time we were in that last semester before we graduated, it, there was a lot of stuff going on, and we were at the point where, like, man, we're too busy now. We know that, we see that, but we're almost done. We're not going to just get out of those things now, but we're going to learn from that. And so we finished out. We pushed through to the end of school. We packed up the house, and we moved to Andover. And when we got out here, man, I was tired on some things. I just remember just, I remember one day just, oh my gosh, just sleeping. And it was just, a, I, was, I was tired and I, we made some adjustments. Not that we were going, you know, too, there was a lot going on, but we just realized there are certain things we want to adjust and make sure there is time. You know, I was doing the best of my ability as I was going through Raymond and maintaining. But I also saw you don't want to get to the place where you are that too busy. And I don't ever want to get to that place. You don't want to be there because it has, those things can start pushing on you too much. So we put things in place and and adjusted. Not that, you know, we walked that out perfectly, but we made some adjustment, made some changes, and said we're not going to be that busy again. And so we all have to look in our lives and at the the, the, the daily things and the weekly things and the monthly things, the things that would press on us and take our eyes from the weeds, the stuff that's happening all the time, those pressures, and look up past it and say, Lord, what, what is important for your plan, your purpose, my family, you know, what you've called me to do, what is important, what do I need to focus on so that I maintain, be strong, don't let those things pressure, overburden, distress me, depress me, weigh me down to get me so that I'm letting go of the Word. Make the decision to press into Him. Make the decision to put His things first. Make the decision to read the Bible, to to pray, to be at church. To put his things to where I'm not going to let the word get choked out. I'm going to make sure that I'm looking to you so that I can stay focused on what you're calling me to do so that I can be strong so that I can overcome so that I can finish strong. So that when the time passes, when I get further in life and I look back, and I can't remember all the noise. I can look and say, yeah, but I maintained what you told me to do. I maintain the important things. And we don't look back and go, I wish I, I didn't succumb to some kind of thing that was transient, that changed. God is faithful to help us. God is faithful, faithful to bring us up. And to sustain us. And what we have to do is make sure we're looking to Him. Looking to Him. In the midst of the busyness, do we still look to Him? Don't take our eyes off Him. Even when it starts to, say, think, it starts to seem like, no, I, I can't fit that in right now. We know. If I don't fit it in now, it's a place that I can start getting weaker. And as I start getting weaker, there's a time where maybe I just don't want to fit it in. And when I don't want to fit it in, now other starts, start, starts taking over and pushing into my heart to where I'm going in a different direction, and then I'm not able to press on, I'm not able to press through, and to guard, and to gird ourselves up, and to look to Him and say, Lord, You strengthen me, You help me, and I'll follow after You, Amen.